You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Um, this will be your Friday edition. Um, we're going to throw in an extra show into the lineup this week. Um, as we've done the last couple of weeks, it's really, really hard to record these pregames. So we'll get you the full pregame, but we're going to get some great talk on the game. And obviously right now, this is the game of the year for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Mark Sessler from the Around the NFL podcast is going to join. Uh, you know, Mark uh, hasn't been with us for the last couple of weeks, so we're going to get some uh, thought here over the last week or two, and obviously about the big one Sunday. But it's best just to do the post the pregame shows Friday night so we can at least get you guys as much information as possible. So when you guys go to fire it up, um, you're not getting a show about, you know, so-and-so not being there or so-and-so not being there, which is the way we're going to do things now to at least give you guys the most accurate information we can going into the game. Today's episode of Locked On Browns is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Mr. Sessler, it's uh, been a couple of weeks, and, you know, I was a little nervous, Mark. I hate to have to break any tradition while the win streak is going on, which I haven't gotten to do much here, guys, in four seasons now of covering Lockdown Browns. But we were able to alter the routine just a tad, and win over the Houston Texans has now turned into a three-game winning streak. Um, won two big ball games without Miles Garrett. Uh, you've seen just the return of Nick Chubb. And Wyatt Teller turned this offense around. And, you know, Mark, there's still the naysayers out there um, about certain number six. Um, but what do you talk about over the last month, last 123 pass attempts? Um, and, yes, I guess, guys, you know, Jacksonville didn't have the most vaunted defense out there. But every now and then you need a feel-good moment. Um, I think, Mark, they're going to go into this game feeling high, um, certainly with trepidation on all our parts going to face this Tennessee Titans team. Um, but, yeah, I think you feel better going into this big game, not necessarily because of the matchup, but the fact that you're going to have most, at least, of the big guns. You're going to have Nick Chubb. You're going to have Teller. Of course, we're going to have deficiencies on defense. But, you know, this is – and also, this is time. You know, look, I mean, anybody wants to say the Browns haven't legitimately beat anybody, that's the case. Well, I think that's why this is such a, um, a great test. And I'm sure, uh, you know, from a national perspective, I've certainly sensed that um, – when you look at power rankings and all these other, uh, you know, weekly installments, trying to place these teams in certain tiers and certain positions, I, I wouldn't say the Browns are being disrespected. I, I think that there's an element of show us that you can handle yourselves and do what you do against a top tier team. And in the way the schedule's played out, you know, the, really the whole AFC North, um, the, the Steelers' record, I believe, is inflated because of who they played, and. Cleveland's might be a little inflated because of who they played, but I have no problem with a team going out and handling their business against lesser competition. I, that, that's just the way it's been. This game, though, matters so much. I think that a lot of people, um, you know, analytics and metrics are so leaned on these days. And Cleveland right now, um, according to Football Outsiders, has the worst DVOA overall as a team for any 8-3 and three squad um, dating back to 1985. You pile up a couple wins against a team like the Titans, and if they can handle their business against the Ravens, some of that can change. I mean, I think it just points to certain deficiencies uh, in Cleveland that 
they are who they are. I also find them to be quite a resilient team that has, uh, through you know the loss of Miles Garrett, the loss of Nick Chubb, um, stuck to their identity. Other guys have stepped up. And so I trust them to show up against the Titans. I don't think this is just Steelers, Ravens, part three. I really don't. Um, the Titans are, are, are imperfect, but I do think that they're an incredibly rugged, tough team. And, you know, last week, you know, we cover a couple games each Sunday and I had the chance to watch Titans Colts. And I, my feeling was I had no reason to really track the second half too heavily because they had, the Titans had completely broken the Colts at halftime. I thought they just, they, they took away their spirit. Now I know the Colts were missing some people, but everyone's missing some people, but they were out with DeForest Buckner and, uh, you know, uh, Danico Autry, others as well. But it was really for me more about the Titans at their peak, which is when you have Derrick Henry operating the way he did. And it wasn't even just the touchdown runs. He had a, he had this one specific 31-yard run um, after the game had been 14-14. The Titans uh, had, had kept the Colts to a punt. And then Derrick Henry heated up again and scored. And then they forced the Colts into another punt. Not to get too deep in the weeds, but I think it was just the sense that you know what? We're heading towards halftime and we can't keep up with the onslaught. And that to me is a real key in this game is the Browns hanging around because these are very different teams than when they met a year ago and mm-hmm. certainly different coached and the whole, uh, you know, karma, if you want around the Browns is completely different. And I would say cleansed that I don't really care about what happened in that other game. But what's still true about Tennessee is their ability to strike with big plays and their big plays come on the ground. That's very similar to Cleveland's. But A.J. Brown, with no Denzel Ward in the lineup, is a sore spot for me. Um, Corey Davis is a really productive wide receiver. So I, or Arthur Smith, their play caller, I think he'll be a head coach in a couple months. So they are when they are vibing, the Titans are a scary opponent. Um, but they kind of feel like a mirror team to me on some level with Cleveland. I don't know if you'd agree with that, at least on offense. I think their defenses are different. But um, they're, they're some of the last few teams around that would be fine running the ball all day long and beating you up. And their, their strength is wearing you down in the second half and in the fourth quarter. And I think the team that can do that more effectively, um, unless it just goes into shootout mode, if there's a shootout mode on the ground, um, that that's possible. But this, these would be the two teams that could create a shootout on the ground. And I, I don't really feel so overly concerned this particular season about this concept that Baker Mayfield's not doing enough or he's not throwing enough passes, they're leaning on who they are. And I think it's it says something about your confidence and your coaching when you stick to your identity. He misses a few throws. He makes some other spectacular throws. He's a work in progress. Well, and the one thing I think with this, and, you know, at the end of the day, Kevin Johnson, I mean, I'm sorry, Kevin Stefanski is paid you know, to be the head coach of this team. What is usually the measuring stick? Almost always the measuring stick is wins and losses. Um, we're not playing this season to see whether or not we're going to pick up Baker Mayfield's fifth-year option. That's not Kevin Stefanski's job. Kevin Stefanski's job is to win games on Sundays. And if he doesn't have to delve too far into the playbook to do it, God bless him. There's going to be a time where we're going to have to. It could be somewhere Sunday. It could be Monday night where you're going to have to start, you know, basically, you know, dusting off some new stuff that people haven't seen yet because you're going against better opponents. Um, and I we did the I did the crossover episode last night with our host of the Lockdown Titans. Um, it, and I, this is what I, I do agree with you here, because I think between Chubb and Hunt and between Derrick Henry on the other side, um, you can flip the script however you want. You know, either backfield could go for 100. I mean, both backfields could go for 170 yards and two TDs. 
the you know what's going to be the juxtaposition to this is going to be number 18 and it's going to be number six and can they make a throw or two to be the difference or will they miss a throw or two will they take a sack force fumble will they throw an interception that'll make the difference but if you want if you want to talk running wise here i mean and like you said it could go shootout mode in that matchup i, I think they both running games could in effect, you know in effect essentially cancel each other out yeah and then so you're right that leaves it to a guy like ryan Tannehill, who you know, I think he and Baker Mayfield could have an interesting conversation because Tannehill spent um, the early part of his career doubted as a milquetoast middle-of-the-road quarterback who was a first-rounder, and I think he fits in so well. And to go back to Arthur Smith, I think they just built an offense around Tannehill that um, asked him to do uh, just enough, but he is someone that is not afraid to stand in the pocket, take a massive shot while throwing the ball downfield. I think he's a really tough um, quarterback and it fits really well with that team. They have immense respect for him and they are balanced because at the end of that in- incredible first half against the Colts, they had 173 rushing yards, 173 passing. That's not an aberration for them. I mean, they have weapons as we know through the air and I, AJ Brown is um, DK Metcalfian like in the sense course, that I just Debo, find Samuel, be, exactly, new breed right? wide receiver. They, they run just as well and good luck trying to tackle them. Go ahead. Right. And I, and, and you know, it's, it sort of feels like a week-to-week thing with Cleveland where we say the same stuff, but the, the secondary has just never really been at full strength. Um, you know, there's the reports of Greedy Williams having a nerve issue, so we may not see him again. Um, you're always concerned with calf injuries and lower body stuff. Uh, so Denzel Ward, obviously out. I mean, I just, you know, they've Joe Woods has done, I thought, a productive job of getting other guys to step up, putting them in places. Um they were pretty creative with their blitzing last week. Uh, with with Garrett back, you don't you know you can go back to kind of what you were. I would say, um, and I, you know this is if you want to follow the blueprint of Cleveland's defense and when it's made you know when it's altered games. I I, it, I think you're right that it's like is it going to be uh, Baker Mayfield who stripped for uh, you know a strip sack um, on Cleveland's ten yard line setting up a big touchdown for Tennessee or in reverse will it be Miles Garrett because. I know, I know Cleveland has the, the player to do that. I, I look at Tennessee's defense, and I, you know, I think that Tennessee's defense is improving to some degree, um, but they don't, have, um, they don't have a Miles Garrett. We know that. I do think going out and getting – they've improved their secondary. Desmond King came in right mm-hmm. away and helped, and so he's an X factor. Um, they were smart to go get that player at a good cost. That was someone maybe Cleveland would have, would have looked at too. Um, I, you know, I, I think that these two teams are, are – I could see a couple trick plays because Stefanski likes to dial those up. Um, Arthur Smith, too, once in a while. I think it's sort of like we know what we are. The Titans know what they are. Go in, and it's basically just a rough-and-tumble boxing fight. Yeah, I know. I'm really looking forward to it. And Tannehill, like, the one thing I think about it in, you know, in watching him in, with Tennessee, as far as, like, you brought up with him taking the big hit, um, for me, it kind of goes back to, like, the wide receiver day. And the thing I used to remember, look, they're going to hit you anyway. You might as well catch it. Um, and it's similar, you know, the way Tannehill plays a quarterback position. Look, I'll take the hit. I mean, if we can get the six, then, you know, when you're throwing the guys that are, you know, tight end, built like a tight end and run four fours, it certainly makes things, you know, all the more better. Uh, and by the way, those Debo Samuel type of guys, I'd like one of those. You know, one of those would be really, really nice for Cleveland. Very nice. I'd like one of those. We're going to get to a little bit more here with Mr. Mark Sessler as we continue to roll on through here on what will be your Friday edition of Locked on Browns. But we still will get you an official pregame out for late night Friday.
Christmas season is coming. Um, I will never not say enough nice words about Table Apparel. Brian and his family, Ohio-based, uh, the store in Vermilion. Brian, Brian, a veteran, two children actively serving. Um, his passion for this franchise, his passion for his products. Um, you know, there's a new one coming soon, which I was actually uh, able to be a little bit of a part of, which uh, I'm really excited about, and I know is going to do really well for Brian. Um, and obviously, proceeds uh, go to you know veteran-based charities of every sale. Um, just cannot say enough good things about ZaboApparel.com. Check them out, Twitter and Instagram, Zabo Apparel for your Browns fan. Coming up for this Christmas season, great, great selection of gifts. Again, ZaboApparel.com. Now, obviously, there's been, you know, a, a slew here. And uh, and you lose Sione Takitaki after his best game as a pro. Um, you know, you lost to Port Augustine while you, were, you didn't have Miles Garrett. And now you talk about guys stepping up. And you talked about last week where they started to, you know, maybe blitz a little more. And I think this is kind of what Joe Woods is doing with guys that he's not sure of. What's the easiest thing to do? Everybody knows how to blitz. So you don't necessarily have to confuse things too much for guys when you can just say, hey, just do whatever you can. Try to make something happen in the backfield. Um, but it may be a different type of blitzing this week. The, the key and the only key to slowing down Derrick Henry is, you know, have him maybe take those first couple of steps going left to right. Because if he th- takes those first three strides going north and south, even if you make the tackle, you're talking a six or seven yard game, Mark. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of going back to that Colts game and like 80 other Derrick Henry games. when he <laughs> Right? When he's able just to charge right up the belly of your defense and he's in the second level and he's doing that um, four times a quarter, by the fourth quarter, like you're just seeing these defenders – they're 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 breathing heavy and uh, that's the game you don't want to get into with 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 Tennessee but the same goes for Cleveland and I you know I think this is an an excellent coaching strategy I love the fact that like Mike Vrabel by the way you know grew up in Ohio was a Browns Mm -hmm. fan had that amazing quote this week where um and he played for Belichick we all know that that he was annoyed at Belichick for cutting Bernie Kosar back in the day so (laughs) and there's a lot of lineage here I mean when I look at the Titans I I see the Oilers and and I I, when I became a Browns fan Yes, the Steelers were annoying, but they weren't the Steelers of today. Uh, this is in the late 80s. That It was mm-hmm. Jerry Glanville's Oilers that drove me nuts. And so I used to see that, that team and, and the way that they were put together, their personalities, and so counter to Marty Schottenheimer's Browns. Um, you know, that's not at play today, but I do think Mike Rabel is rounding into becoming sort of a top seven, top five type of coach. I really just love the way... He builds teams. Um, But I would say the same of Kevin Stefanski. And it's one of the rare times that we can look at a a big Cleveland game happening in week 13. That that number one is insanely rare. But that you trust Cleveland's coaching staff to come up with a competent game plan. And I think that for them, that, you know, they know uh, the perception out there that they're beating, uh, you know, ham and eggers. and, And can you go handle a real AFC playoff contender? If they come out of this Sunday with a win, I think everyone looks at the Browns differently, but it doesn't change the fact that the Browns have been a very resilient team that what I see differently is the games they would have lost in the past, they are leaving the opponent with those losses. Their ability in the fourth quarter, when you know there's two or three minutes left, and whether it's Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt to get that first down that takes that last few breaths of life out of the opponent, that is a very powerful thing in December. And, and that translates. It's like I would rather lean on that as a strength than a high-flying passing attack that comes and goes. Well, the thing is, is you know, you know, it's always the – and you see at the end of the third quarter, putting the four fingers up. 
but there's really translating that in to you know closing out and finishing and let's see um Houston game Nick Chubb Philadelphia game Nick Chubb third and 14 need a screen you're gonna run a screen you don't really throw it to Nick all that often you call it to him Batonio's out there just annihilating people Nick Chubb goes the extra mile just gets exactly what he needs um it's three weeks in a row like essentially you know it was Nick Chubb putting the final nail in the coffin. And, you know, again, Nick is never a guy who's going to speak much. And I don't think Nick really cares. I mean, even if this team is one in 15, he's going to show up day in, day out and do what's required of him and a little more because it's just the way the guy is wired. But it's that type of mentality that ekes off onto the other 52. And hey, if our best player on offense is going to do everything that's required of him, going to do everything the right way and put all of us as equal to him to get W's. That's when everybody else starts chiming in. And now when you get to the point where you're starting Kevin Johnson, where you're looking at the safety position and, you know, poor Joe Woods in this scenario, oh, man, I lost Grant Delta, but thanks, you got me Ronnie Harrison. Oh, no, Ronnie Harrison's gone. Now I'm back to the same two veterans that we really just brought in here to hopefully school some rookies on NFL style. And, you know, all right, well, what do I do again now this week? Um, you brought in a safety this week. Um, you know, whether or not he plays other than special teams, I'm not sure. Um, you know, we'll see how that all unfolds. And then you get to the linebacker position and, you know, BJ Goodson, you know, for all, you know, he's been everything he probably could be BJ. He's just BJ Goodson being BJ Goodson and Malcolm Smith has quietly been good in his role, but you look at this linebacker position for this week. And this certainly is not a week for Malcolm Smith. Um, Mac Wilson, the way he's been performing in the run game. uh, He's another one where it's probably not going to work. Um, and you just look at Joe Woods and it's going to be, hey, Joe, what can you pull out of the bag this week? Um, because, you know, if we can't control 22, I don't know how we're going to control everything because once he gets going, it just opens up everything. Right. Like I, the formula, you look at Cleveland's defense and all season long, it, it, you don't love the formula. You don't love the way this could look, you know, 20 minutes into the game. I, and I, I think that the Titans um, excel at doing that to lesser defenses. And and then, you know, you can, you can shatter a team psychologically. I think, you know, Cleveland offers those same strengths. Um, but you're right that defensively, it's just one of those games where you're going to have to pray for a play or two that turns into a key interception, fumble, some sort of gaff from the Titans that levels the playing field. Because if it's just drive for drive, I would have to favor the Titans just based on who they are and based on Cleveland's defense. Um, but but all of that can be flipped if Miles Garrett does Miles Garrettish things, and it's it's like you know it's that simple sometimes. I, I do believe that like these are two rugged squads that are just going to say we'll find out who makes the fewer mistakes, who misses the fewer tackles. I mean, who's the better tackling team in this? Probably will win because everything we say about Derrick Henry, I would say about Nick Chubb, and to some degree Kareem Hunt too. But Nick Chubb is just as much of a nightmare, um, you know, sitting there in the middle of the night in the dreams of defensive players as Derrick Henry is in many ways. I I think that Derrick Henry, though, has done it for a team in a sense where he dragged them to the AFC title game and his bona fides are unquestioned. Um, And Cleveland's Cleveland. Cleveland still has to convince, I think, the nation that their record is legit, um, that they're more than the idea of what Baker Mayfield is or not. And this would be a great place to do it. Yeah, it's certainly every opportunity, you know, to make a statement Sunday. And I think anybody looking at this realistically from a Browns lens 
says, you know, this is, you know, I mean, look, we're going up here and this is a scratch off. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that this can be pulled off, but unlike years past, you actually have, you can actually play scenarios in the back of your head that says, well, you know, if coach can do this or coach can do that. And if they can impulate and you're actually talking realistic, you're not just, you know, pulling what ifs out of the air. Um, with the Titans, and they lost linebacker Jayon Brown, who's probably more of one of the underrated linebackers in this league. But with the addition of Desmond King, they're now actually kicking like a Kenny Vaccaro up to play more of a nickel and dime linebacker. Mark, we've talked about this a couple of times now this year. This tight end position, um, it, there's the ability there where this they could be a, a really 10 to 15 reception week between everybody combined, 150 yards couple of touchdowns, similar to what we saw the second time around against the Bengals. But now if you're talking DBs playing, you know, up in nickel, up in dime, this reeks maybe for the opportunity to finally get this tight end week. The way it's constructed, we kind of thought there'd be a couple of them to this point. Maybe we can finally see that this week. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess I'd be surprised to learn that, you know, in August that Austin Hooper hadn't crossed 60 yards um, receiving-wise all season. And, you know, he, he was out for a bit, but he, he was someone I thought would be stacking um, statistics. Um, but Harrison Bryant has been a sensational find for them. So I think it's a great week for that. And, and may, you know, maybe the key is throw some stuff at Tennessee that no one's seen, you know, we give, give them, give them the tight end game that no one's really seen yet. And uh, you know, I, we can trust, I think, you know, Jarvis Landry coming off his best game. He's going to have to make a couple key catches for Shard Higgins. Um, you know, right there, everyone is going to probably have to play their most flawless game. Level and that up. would include the tight ends, you know, becoming something as a group, to your point, that they haven't to this point. And so I like I, I think that's very possible because I feel I, I'm watching Harrison Bryant and I'm kind of waiting for that breakout game where everyone uh, realizes this guy is a future star. I mean, we see it. We see little moments and there have been a little mistakes here and there. Um, but Austin Hooper was the guy I thought that you'd get a couple 80, 90 yard games out of, especially when you lose Odell Beckham and it hasn't materialized. So the time is now. Yeah. And look, I mean, they didn't pay him the money they paid him to, uh, you know, be an asset essentially um, in the run blocking game. They paid him to be just a tad bit more than that. We're going to get to just a few more things here and actually talk just a little bit about the league here with Mr. Mark Sessler. Um, with that folks, um, make sure you're checking out around the NFL. Uh, available anywhere podcasts are Mark and the guys uh, and the crew. Um, they just do a fantastic job. And, you know, for some folks, I think maybe they say their, their work has gotten better uh, this year with you know, a lot of people being home. You're able to focus a little bit more. Some people times it's obviously a little bit tougher with family around. Um, but we're all just glad we have the gigs we do and able to, you know, watch the sport we do. So make sure you're checking out the around the NFL podcast. Mark the league itself. Um, I guess we'll go uh, Detroit. Um, God bless them. Uh, they keep trying. <laughs> they keep trying. And if anybody could be sympathetic to them, obviously it's anybody who is a fan of the Cleveland Browns. My thing with moving on is, you know, desirability. And, you know, you look at that and, you know, if you're coming into this, you know, usually with a GM and usually with a head coach, um, you know, you go chase down your quarterback and a lot of stuff that you have is tied to your quarterback. There's a quarterback that's been there for a long time in Matthew Stafford. What do you think about the situation in Detroit? Because, I mean, if anything, I'd almost be understanding from the point of maybe it's time to just let Matthew Stafford 
go find maybe a greener pasture. The guy certainly paid his dues. But how do you see things shaking out with the Lions, who are now going to be in line with a bunch of other franchises with a whole bunch of holes to fill? I think that's so dependent on who they hire, because if they went and hired a Mike McCarthy-esque guy or someone like Ron Rivera, that person probably is going to you know, look at what Matthew Stafford has been, um, them having a game plan for Matthew Stafford for years, and stick with a veteran like that. But then I'd point at someone like Matt Rule, who brought in a completely fresh college staff, and they had Cam Newton, and they were ready. I mean, think organizationally as well. But he greenlit the idea of moving on from Cam Newton to bring in someone that he um, adored in Teddy Bridgewater. No, in a, Teddy Bridgewater is a bridge to something else, but the, a, a different type of coaching staff that um, would look at wanting to have a real fresh start. Uh, I think they would, depending on where they are in the draft. Uh, Yes, I think they would move on. I think it's a. I think I would just say it's fifty-fifty right now that Matthew Stafford's on another team next year, and, and and I think part of that may be for Matthew Stafford too, who, you know, it's these things happen. But his wife has been rather vocal about um, Michigan, about uh, various other things that have happened with with Matthew Stafford inside the organization. So you just wonder from a overall, let's start over, and this might benefit both sides that it seems more possible to me than people talk about moving on from Matt Ryan. I think that w- I would put that at a lot less of a possibility. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, and, and it, it's, you know, you look at it and, oh, well, maybe there's a bunch of quarterbacks in the draft. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to look at what you have. Um, but I, for me, I just, you know, I can't envision a Detroit Lion world where, you know, Matthew Stafford is going to be a part of it in 2021 and i'm sure un- undoubtedly he'll probably end up whoever is playing the lions on thanksgiving in 2021 because that's usually the way <laughs> these things kind of uh work out here um <clears throat> mark who do you think's getting hot who do you think's maybe leveling off here as we reach the point of about five regular season games left and i just wanted to share this with you um the mike tomlin quote about it was a junior varsity effort yesterday well, the game was played at 3:40 on a Wednesday afternoon, so maybe it kind of fit the bill. It lines up. I mean, I, you know, I, I, there are a lot of things I don't do well on a Wednesday, so I, I get that. Um, it, the Raiders, I, I think I'm, you know, eyes on the Raiders after what happened in Atlanta. I think every one of these teams, not just this year, but in general, in a really parody-rich NFL, I, I'm, I'm willing to give a mulligan to almost anyone. Um, that was a bit concerning. I think you just got also the worst version of Derek Carr. But you're kind of really dependent in that offense on Josh Jacobs, who didn't play a lot of that game, um, being you know the best version of him, and Derek Carr not you know absolutely assassinating the team on offense. And he's been really good otherwise. So, but they're six and five, and they can't afford too many more losses. Um, in the NFC, I would say little concern with the Arizona Cardinals. Now I know that there was the shoulder injury uh, that kept Kyler Murray, you know, pinned in the pocket. He couldn't really, he couldn't, he couldn't run against the Seahawks. I, I genuinely think they lost that game because of that. And last week he didn't get hot on the ground until the end against new England, but they've dropped two in a row. Uh, there, I don't really trust the defense. And I think the offense is, is, can be as exciting as any out there, but I just start to look at a team like the Niners that I trust the coaching. They've got Debo back. Brandon Ayuk is coming back. George Kittle said today, I will be back this season at some point. They're getting healthy on defense with Richard Sherman. Could I see a scenario where the Niners overtake the Cardinals? Yes, I could. And so I just sort of trust. I just really trust the whole Shanahan thing. Um, we don't need to talk about the Bears. We know they're falling off a cliff. I think the NFC, the NFC picture is a lot clearer outside of who wins that NFC East. Um, it's the AFC where 
I don't know what to make of um, what's happened with Baltimore, even with Lamar in there. I, I think that they're going to surge back at some point and sneak into the playoffs. Um, Buffalo, to me, has been rather consistent. Uh, Miami fascinated me a week ago. They're 7-4. and four. I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs too, um, but that would probably be contingent on Cleveland falling. So it, the AFC race to me is just a jumbled pile of teams that seem like week-to-week operations. I, I, they really do. I mean, the Colts, you go beat Green Bay, and then you get waxed by the Titans. It's like I, I, these teams are um, quite schizophrenic on some level. So, uh, the, But I would say the Cardinals are the one that I'm like, I'm, I have some friends that are Cardinals fans, and they are very down on the experience right now because you know two weeks ago they were the hottest thing going and now suddenly they're on the fringe uh it, it, it's interesting and you know what and, and even for arizona look i mean is the needle pointing long term in the correct position and it is it's it most certainly is so i mean that's certainly something you're going to take into account and for a lot of these teams you know i mean the question is you know did you get to this point maybe a little bit too early um and you know it's certainly possible and did you catch somebody on a good week where they were down two three players you know, due to COVID, whatever the, you know, the thing may be. Pittsburgh Steelers, where they are. Kansas City Chiefs, where they are, Mark. Which one ends up your number one seed in the AFC? And it's not a knock on Pittsburgh, but it, it, it does feel like a little bit of a soft 11-0. Well, I think that, you, you know, you could look at Cleveland's record and say if they had last year's schedule against the NFC East, are they 8-3? and three? No. Would the Steelers be 11-0? and 0? No. I think it's like there is, and this is no, again, it's like, I don't really like to line up on teams and fire because of the schedule, but the records are a little inflated and Kansas city's record with one loss is completely realistic to who they are. Um, I think Kansas city is a team that I don't know how anyone's going to beat them. I think the Raiders were built to beat them. And so the Raiders, the Raiders, you know, are only halfway there on that mission and they nip them in a, in a, you know, a high scoring affair and then played them pretty well a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think that they were, they came out of that with a, with a, with a hangover, the Raiders and, and, and suffered the terrible loss after that. But Kansas city week to week, um, they score in bunches, their defense, uh, which people used to think, but it was their weakness. Not really. And it's certainly not really a weakness when they can do what they can do on offense. So I don't, I see there's Kansas city and everyone else. And I don't, I would say yeah. even if the Steelers got the buy, um, and it's a precious buy with there only being one, but that doesn't that doesn't tell me anything. And it's again, like you said, it's not a knock on Pittsburgh. I think Mike Tomlin is he's that guy. I love him. I think he's a great coach. And they're a really tough, rugged team. And they went through a lot this week. And I'm not surprised that yesterday's game was really funky. Um, but but to say that they're equal to the Chiefs, um, I need to see it. I just I can't. I don't believe it at this point. No, I 100 percent. Absolutely. Agree with you. Um, I think it's a world where, you know, we're living with, uh, you know, it's the Kansas City Chiefs world and there's 31 other teams essentially living in it. He is Mark Sessler, part of the NFL Network, part of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, fantastic resource, fantastic listening um, week in, week out for a while now. Probably, the, in my opinion, the best in the business as far as NFL podcasts are. Um, it's been great to have Mark um, as you know, be able to be more more a part of the show this year. It's I don't continue to say it's one of the good things COVID nineteen has brought this year because um, it certainly has not brought many good things or any good things um, as we all still continue to live our lives in isolation. Now um, closing in on nine months. Yes, folks, nine months 
but at least we have football Sundays, football Mondays, football Thursdays, apparently Wednesday afternoons. I guess, hey, I guess we'll take, I mean, as much as everybody wants to complain about it, uh, I saw everybody was really excited. And it did kind of strike me that everybody had the availability at 345 on a Wednesday afternoon to be so involved in an NFL football game. But hey, God bless us, I <laughs> That's guess. True. Right? It is true. Uh, make sure you're following Mark. Obviously, all the work uh, you know that him and the crew do, uh, fantastic job. Locked on Browns. Uh, on Twitter, follow back account. DMs are open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, DMs are open. Ideas for the show. Um, like I said, this was going to be a bonus extra show this week. Um, look, everybody's engaged here, and I know how excited everybody is with 8-3. and three. And, look, any opportunity to talk with Mark, I'll certainly find a way to get it into the schedule. Um, you know, sometime tomorrow night on Friday, you'll get your normal pregame show. Pete and I will break it all down. Um, by then we'll have finalized injury reports. So at least we can give you the most accurate information at the time in this ever changing world of the NFL in 2020. This has been your daily edition of all things dog pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.